Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Matthew Lyons, author of the new novel, A Black and Endless Sky. His work has appeared in the 2018 edition of the Best American Short Stories and other publications. Matthew, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on, Jeff. It's, a, it's an honor to be here. I'm a big fan. Sure. Well, if someone hasn't yet heard about your latest novel, A Black and Endless Sky, how would you describe the novel? Uh, I think the way I've, I, I, if we're doing like an elevator pitch, I would probably describe it as the Blues Brothers meets the Exorcist in that it is a sibling road trip kind of across the American uh, Southwest. So a little different than the Blues Brothers uh, that it's sort of uh, waylaid en route by uh, something very similar to a demonic possession. And do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to write A Black and Endless Sky? I do. Um, I, I woke up one morning and had this very clear vision of a door somewhere in the Mojave Desert, just pressed like straight into the earth. Um, and I didn't know what it was, and I really wanted to find out. So I started putting some ideas together, pulling together some plot, uh, and ended up with what I thought was a, a story idea that had some legs. So uh, kind of followed that through. And, you know, two years later, now there's a book coming out, which is super weird, but kind of great. Well, I know that you write short stories as well. So I'm curious, when you started writing about this door in the desert, did you have a sense at that point if it was going to be just a short story or did you know it was going to be a longer length? I had no idea what it was going to be. I'll, uh, I'll cop to that. Um, I wanted to just sort of figure out what this could be, what it might be. And when I realized, oh, this is a book, um, that was... A surprising moment like oh i think this is gonna be a short story and it's gonna be fun and then it's like oh no you need to you're gonna dedicate a lot of your time buddy uh so yeah it, it started off as just sort of an idea that got played around with until i realized that it was full length and so can you tell us what was your writing journey that led you to writing and getting your first short stories and then your first novel published sure um so i've been like pretty much all of the writers that I know I've been writing since I was like very early to the point that like when I was a tiny little kid, I would dictate stories to my mom and she would write them down and I'd be like, that's exactly good. This is, I want to do this forever. <laughs> um, and yeah, followed it sort of through school, uh, moved out to New York after college and started doing it a little bit more seriously there. Tried a couple of different avenues to writing I, I wrote freelance for a whiskey magazine for a while but kept coming back to fiction and yeah short, short stories were always something i really enjoyed because there's a clarity of intent to them right you don't have a lot of time to do anything but like get in make your point and get out and i love that i've always really enjoyed that sort of uh economy of storytelling if you will but moving into books, I think everybody who works on short stories thinks that they want to try writing a book. And yeah, I just fell in love with that as well. So worked on uh, a couple of different options with my current agent, uh, my, you know, uh, Nick uh, Resinetti at the Seymour Agency, and neither of those really worked. So she said, try something else, try something that you love. And I ended up writing this book called The Night Will Find Us, which um, to use another movie comparison, I describe that as the Blair Witch uh, Project meets The Breakfast Club. <laughs> um, and I wrote that and really had a lot of fun and then came back to this idea of the door in the sand and ended up combining it with a story that I've been trying to tell for years in some way. I, I've tried to write the story of A Black and in the Sky 
I don't know, three or four times over the past 10 years. And I think I finally managed to kind of nail it. So I'm feeling pretty, pretty psyched about that. So I'm curious about your writing process when you're working on a novel. It sounds, um, as we discussed earlier, when you started writing, you didn't even know if this was going to be a short story or a novel. Once you determined that it was a novel, did you do a lot of outlining and planning beforehand, or was it really just kind of uh, following your gut and following the narrative? A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, probably a lot of column A, honestly, and a little bit of column B. I think, you know, inspiration comes kind of wildly and unbidden, but I am, you know, those are the two schools of thought when it comes to writing. You have like pantsers and plotters. I like to call plotters gardeners. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm not much of a pantser. I will get lost in the weeds really quickly sure. if I start just trying to tell myself a story in a full novel form. Like I just get lost in the paint. And there are some authors that can do that. Like um, Murakami can do that really well. He'll, he'll spend what, three chapters talking about someone's ears and it's scintillating. Uh, that's not the kind of writer that I am. So I tend to go for like a bit of inspiration followed by a lot of character work and planning. So I don't get lost. So what is it about horror fiction that appeals to you both as a writer and a reader? I mean, I've been a horror fan for a lot of years. I have always loved sort of the scares. It never really made sense to me until I watched evil dead two as a teenager. Um, <laughs> but after that I was just all the way and just sold. Um, there's something about the transgressive nature of it. Of course, I think everybody who reads, writes, enjoys horror can cop to the idea that like, yeah, the transgression is interesting and it, it's an interesting way to move a plot, to express character, to tell a story. But for me, I've always loved the fact that horror is kind of genre inclusive, if that makes sense. Like horror can be anything. You can have a horror story that is a family drama or a sci-fi epic or a coming out story, or I mean, there's so many different ways to tell a horror story that you never run out of material. It's never, there's never like, oh, we reached the end of horror. Thank you for checking out the genre. Please move on. <laughs> like there are infinite permutations because. I don't know. Any story that deals in stakes at all has some measure of fear or consequence to it, or just takes that and makes that a central part of the thematics as well as the plot. Sure. Well, given your success with your two novels and your short stories, what writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories and novels? Honestly, I think the best advice that I could give, and it's the best advice I've ever gotten is just write the thing that you love, create the art you want to see in the world, right? Um, don't worry too much about whether something's a crowded field or if there's a barrier to entry. Like, there are people out there who want to do the art that you want to do and want to publicize and read and consume that art. Um, this can sound like it's a, a little bit out of left field, but... Um, there's this musical called title of show, and it is a musical about its own creation, which very meta. It's a lot of fun, but there is a song in that musical that I listen to pretty much weekly. And the song is called nine people's favorite thing. And the crux of it, the chorus of the song is I'd rather be nine people's favorite thing than a hundred people's ninth favorite thing. Best advice I have is to write for those nine people. 
That's good advice. Well, are you working on a new novel or new short stories now? I am. Um, I'm always, you know, I, I think every writer just has a, an ongoing like manifest of things I'm going to work on next or eventually or both. But I am currently, uh, I actually recently just finished working on the sample chapters for my third book, which I sent off to uh, Nicole, my agent, and she uh, she is currently reading them. I hope she really likes them. Uh, if she's listening, Nick, please tell me what you think. But um, beyond that, uh, yeah, you know, a couple short story ideas puttering around, but yeah, really just looking towards the next book. That's great. Well, what novels or nonfiction books have you read recently that you enjoyed? Oh, so um, I think that all writers should probably be like genre agnostic in terms of their consumption because there's something good everywhere. Um, I just read Unsub by Meg Gardner, which is sort of a fictionalization about the Zodiac killer, but that. I flew through that. It was fantastic. Uh, Meg Gardner is a tremendous writer. She writes propulsive prose, like almost nothing I've ever read. Beyond that, um, I recently worked through a collection edited by Ellen Datlow uh, called Final Cuts, which is like Hollywood horror, which uh, like a collection of just unbelievably cool stories that all just kind of screwed me up in the best way. It was really great. Um, Beyond that. I'm trying to think. I read uh, Negative Space by B.R. Yeager, which was really good. Super weird, but it deeply intense and visceral. That's great. Well, I'm curious. Uh, do you have a favorite horror movie? Oh, man. I think so. My favorite horror movie, I think, is tied for my favorite movie of all times. John Carpenter's The Thing. I think that <laughs> I mean, it's a classic, right? It's so good. And Carpenter is getting so much more credit these days than he has in the past i think john carpenter is a genius and, and his wife sandy king uh sandy king carpenter is she's she's fantastic in her own right like she runs i know she runs storm king comics and she puts out incredible work so like the carpenters in general um don't get enough credit but yeah the thing is it's a perfect movie i'm i'm, I'm gonna go ahead and say that i think the thing is pretty much perfect you know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
Well, I, I, I hate to admit I've never watched it, but it's one of my 14-year-old son's favorite movies. I mean, you should listen to your kid because he <laughs> sounds like he's got good taste. Um, but I will say, and I can't remember the name of it, but if anyone is interested in John Carpenter and specifically the first Halloween, there was a uh, podcast series specifically about the making of the first Halloween. Oh, really? Uh, it was. That um, sounds awesome. I can't remember the name of it, but um, if you if you if you search, I'm sure you'll find it. And it's all about um, how Carpenter got started making movies originally, oh, and, that. and every all of the the you know kind of backstory behind the first Halloween. So I, I recommend it. It was a good podcast. All right, I'm gonna have to check that out. That sounds awesome. I well, yeah. I I it's at this point kind of a running joke that like if I'm given a platform for long enough i'm either going to talk about evil dead 2 or john carpenter and i've now done both so uh there you go we're, we're 12 minutes in wow that's great well where can people find you online if they want to learn more about you and your novels and short stories uh yeah so you can find me uh my website is matthewlyonsauthor.com uh you'll know you came to the right place because um my friend dragon developed this massive black metal band style logo uh, for the landing for like the splash page. So, uh, yeah, that, that is where you can find me on, I guess that's my website on social media. I am on Twitter and Instagram at, at cannibal ghosts, uh, which is something I actually kind of reference in a black and endless sky. Uh, but I won't go into much more detail than that. So yeah, okay. cannibal ghosts on social and MatthewLinesAuthor.com. That's great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Matthew Lyons, author of the new book, A Black and Endless Sky. The book is on sale now, so go buy a copy at your local independent bookstore. And Matthew, thanks for doing this interview. Jeff, thank you so much for having me, man. It's been a blast and you know, an honor. Great. Thanks a lot. Now, stay tuned as Matthew Lyons reads from his novel, A Black and Endless Sky. From this far up, the desert looks like an ocean churning in the dark, the glowing worksite a galleon on black waves. Down in the sandy scrub below, the workers use spotlights to stab holes in heaven, hunting the skies for helicopters, planes, drones, ultralights, anything, everything. They do not abide trespassers here. Not tonight. Not when they're so close. In between the lights and machines, jumpsuits and helmets scurry from trailer to trailer like nervous army ants, clutching clipboards and radios, trying to make sure everything hangs together the way it's supposed to. Tonight, something's different. Tonight, something's happening. Word came from on high early the day before. They're finally going to breach. They cannot afford fuck-ups now. They usually run a skeleton crew on the site especially this late at night, but when the news broke that after all their months of digging, they were actually going to break through and see what waited for them underneath the desert, the workers started showing up on their own. Not to try and log a few hours of overtime, not even to impress their supervisors, just to see. They've all been digging out here for so long that many of them forget what life was like before their shovels bit into dirt. This is what they've been working toward for months. They wouldn't miss this for their lives. Under the panopticon eye of the central tower, the gathered workers file through the chain-link gates, pushing past each other for a better view of the site proper, steam jetting from their noses and mouths in billowing white rushes. The desert gets cold at night, with snow on the way if the weather outlets are to be trusted. Working in the sand over winter can be a nasty proposition. The snow sucks, but the cold is always worse. It leaves the ground hard as stone, soaks frost and ice into their bones, slows the work to a crawl, 
Almost none of them notice the freeze tonight. They can barely feel the chill past the electric anxiety that crackles between them, dancing across their collective skin in shallow blue arcs. They crowd around the edges of what management's been calling the well, the great hole they all harrowed into the earth in pursuit of, well, what exactly? Almost none of them know for sure, and the ones that do have been forbidden by frighteningly worded NDAs to say for certain. Security clearance and all that, a real bitch. No matter. They were sent here to dig, so they dug. Simple as that. Never mind the acousticians and sonar techs tracking their every movement and telling them where to excavate next, the tower overseers keeping their eyes narrowed behind plastic safety glasses, the strange static feedback like muffled screams fluttering their radios the deeper they plumb. They're company men and women to the last, and they know how to shut up and work when they're told. Shoulder to shoulder, the workers flock to the edge of the well and peer through the consuming darkness that fills it like black water, all the way down to the funnel's vertex and the thing they found waiting for them earlier this week, like a Christmas present left forgotten under the tree. The news traveled fast after they unearthed it. How could something like that not? There's a door in the sand. At first they hardly believed it, but then, one by one and group by group, they crept forward and saw it for themselves. It wasn't a door by any modern definition. A massive stone triangle pressed flat into the earth and buried deep under a thousand feet of frozen solid Mojave desert. But there wasn't any better word to describe it. For days after they uncovered it, they ran test after test to confirm what they already knew as the salient points spread among the workers like wildfire through dry grass. The door was ancient, its carvings remarkably intricate, and whatever hollow network that lay beneath it, absolutely massive. And now, tonight, after weeks and months of waiting, they're going to crack it open and see what's what. Underneath the blades of light in the looming night sky, the crowd squeezes in around the chasm, a crowd of jumpsuits and helmets and logos nervously shifting its weight back and forth until one breaks from its number. A demolitions engineer, satchel in hand, skidding down, down, down the sand and scree. Under the watch of all, she walks the full perimeter of the triangle door, tracing its labyrinthine patterns with her eyes as she plants the remote charges from her bag at each corner, coordinating over an open channel with the operators in the tower. It's so quiet down here in the Black Sight's unburied heart, a natural anechoic chamber. Her pulse drums in her ears, and she has to force herself to breathe slowly as she attaches each charge to the stone, clicking them to life as she goes. The little red lights on the tops of the charges pulse arrhythmically, a strange crimson tremble bouncing from corner to corner. The third charge planted, she backs away from the door, unclipping the radio from her belt as she goes. Ordinance in place and active, she says into the walkie-talkie, her voice shaky. She watches her words snake around the crowd, far above her like a vicious rumor, and when control finally radios back, connection confirmed, fall back and prepare for breach. She nearly collapses with relief. She hates being this close to the door. She's hated it since they first brought her down and ordered her to map the breaching charges to their sonar data. It feels bad being this close to it, as if dread was a physical thing that could fill up your lungs and choke the life out of you. It feels like being trapped inside every nightmare she's ever had. Whatever lies beyond this door, they should not be going down there. But that's not her call. Not really. Slinging the empty satchel over her shoulder, the engineer turns and scrabbles back up the funnel as fast as her hands and legs will carry her. 
Rejoining the crowd, she nestles herself beside two other engineers she's friendly with, crossing her arms over her chest as she turns to look back down at the door. It looks so small from up here. How'd they ever find it, buried all the way down there? On her hip, her radio crackles and sputters again, static quickly resolving into familiar chatter. Confirm all clear, demolitions. The engineer takes one more long, deliberate look down the well, trying to keep the growing sense of vertigo at bay. All clear. Her last chance to back out, call it off, delay this somehow, if only for a little while. All around the crowd, faces turn her way, brimming with what? Excitement? Anticipation? Fear? All three? Looking back at them, she understands that the time to call this off is long, long past. The decision's already been made and die cast before the shovels ever hit the sand. If she doesn't do it, he'll find someone who else who will. No sense in prolonging the inevitable now. She brings the radio to her lips again, her gaze still fixed on the triangular door. This time when she speaks, her words are sure and strong. No shake to them at all. All clear confirmed. Understood. Breaching in ten, nine, eight, seven. The crowd braces as one. Nobody blinks, nobody breathes. The silence at the bottom of the funnel blooms and spreads like some invisible cancer, growing to infect every last one of them with its fearsome totality. They're not alive in this moment. They're not anywhere. They're not anything. Together as fading ghosts, they watch, and they wait, and control counts them down from the safety of the central tower, each tallied second a miserable eternity. And then... One. Breach. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.